G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's real evidence emerging that even here in Australia, we're facing the growing threat of left-wing anti-Semitism. Our special guest today calls it a toxic mutation of an ancient hatred, left-wing anti-Semitism. He's recently released a warning that left-wing critics of Israel, suspicious of supposed Jewish influence in finance, politics and the media, are becoming increasingly vocal in Australia. And, of course, as you will know, it's not just Australia There is this phenomenon that's happening in places like the UK and in the USA. But predictions are it'll become commonplace here. Peter Curti is a senior research fellow at the Centre for Independent Studies. He's author of the paper called Toxic Mutation of an Ancient Hatred, Left-Wing Antisemitism, and he's joining us to unpack some of his research findings. Peter Curti, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be with you again. Peter, it is a complex issue, and for some people they'll be saying, well, we're talking about the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, and they're on the other side of the world, and here we are in Australia. Uh, What's that got to do so much with us here? Of course, there are going to be people who are going to have different views, but this is such a serious topic. Uh, Give us some insights just as we get our conversation underway. You must have motivations for writing about and researching what you've been researching. Uh, It is a serious thing to contemplate uh, this idea of anti-semitism isn't it it is and i've i've long been interested in the in the phenomenon of anti-semitism which takes many different forms we're perhaps most familiar with the the very uh uh, toxic right-wing anti-Semitism uh, that was manifested in particular in, in, the, uh, in the course of the 20th century. And we still do see uh, a lot of hatred against Jewish people from the far right. But it, the, 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 the dislike of Jews, the hatred of Jews can take many forms. And I've been particularly interested in what I've called this le- form of left-wing anti-Semitism because uh, I think it's, it's a new form and because it's often couched in, in moral terms, concerned with issues of justice and, and peace and, uh, and equality, it doesn't, it, it's, it's easy for the anti-Semitism that lurks be, beneath that to, uh, to, uh, to be overlooked. And I felt it was very important to, to study this particular form. I was prompted to by two sets of circumstances, really. One, and you mentioned both of these in, the, in, in your introduction, in the United Kingdom, uh, the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn has been really riven by a scandal of anti-Semitism. And part of the problem has been the fact that people on the left who, are, who have been uh, deemed culpable of saying these things about Jews and about Israel deny that they're saying anything anti-Semitic. And yet other people, like British Jews, for example, 
And other non-Jewish critics of, of Jeremy Corbyn and Labour would say, no, this is anti-Semitism. We've also seen the, um, the emergence of anti-Semitic views on the left in the United States, particularly with the group of Congresswomen women elected in uh, 2018. They've come to be known as the Squad. And because things are said about Jews and about Israel in the course of mainstream political discourse, it starts to become, um, it starts to gain a certain respectability. And so I've been very interested in this, and I wanted to look specifically at that form. I should say, of course, that by focusing on left-wing anti-Semitism, I'm not saying that right-wing anti-Semitism is no longer a problem. I'm just looking at this particular manifestation. Well, I wanted to raise that because in a conversation we had earlier this year, we were talking about extremes, uh, whether it be left or right. Uh, the extremes are always where all of the bad, evil stuff happens. And, the, and as you say, that of course, most people, when they think of anti-Semitism, they're thinking back to uh, the Jewish Holocaust, uh, back to the Nazis in Germany. And uh, people say, well, that was a extreme right-wing anti-Semitism. And now we're seeing a left-wing anti-Semitism. Uh, but the whole thing here is, uh, I guess we're not talking about whether you lean a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right politically, Peter. It's if you're on the extremes on either side, you're in big trouble. Well, that's true in part. I think there, you're right to say that, uh, that trouble does uh, is harboured on the extremes, and that's where the most evil manifestations of all kinds of things happen. It's on the extremes. The problem with left-wing anti-Semitism, it, it gains a sort of respectability because it's couched, as I said a moment ago, in, in language that talks about justice and equality and peace and it's concerned of course with with the the intractable uh, issue in in israel between israel and the palestinian people and because people have a sense of, uh, many people have a strong sense of of the injustice that they believe has been meted out to the palestinians they become critical of israel to an extent that i think the discourse becomes anti-semitic and we can talk a bit about more a, a bit more about where that line is but the problem is that I think this form of anti-Semitism moves away from the extremes and gains, as it were, a sort of a middle-class respectability because you, you're not talking about people who talk about these issues are not talking about their dislike or hatred of Jews. They're talking about justice that they believe um, is, is necessary for the Palestinian people. And you like to differentiate there this idea of an anti-Zionism uh, but saying that that anti-Zionism might be a mask for anti-Semitism. I wonder whether you can just enlarge on what that means for a moment as we set up where this conversation's going, because uh, I'm going to lead us to a point where we might be able to all do a little bit of a self-test and uh, and see whether we actually uh, lean towards this sort of anti-Semitic uh, position. Uh, give us a little uh, a little idea here about uh, anti-Zionism and, and anti-Semitism, Peter. Well, anti-Zionism essentially is the idea, the basic idea that the state of Israel should not exist. Now, all kinds of people, Jews and non-Jews alike, have very strong views, historically have had very strong views about the existence of the state of Israel. Nonetheless, the state of Israel was founded in 1947 uh, by the United Nations, 47-48 by the United Nations. It was... Um, uh, a, a country that was agreed upon, the existence of which was agreed upon by the international community. Now, where anti-Zionism creeps into the, the debate these days is that particularly since the founding of the State of Israel, 
many people would argue that and do argue that the founding of the state of Israel was somehow illegitimate and that it involved the appropriation of land belonging to other people. These are very complicated issues, and people have all kinds of arguments about the facts on the ground. But very broadly, this is what it is. There is an argument about the legitimacy of the state of Israel. Now, I referred a moment ago to the line that is crossed, that can be crossed. I think it's it's fine to criticize the government of Israel. It's fine, and many Israeli Jews and Arabs do criticize the government of Israel, and many people are very hostile towards the government of Benjamin Netanyahu. Criticizing a government, criticizing its policies is absolutely fine, and there are plenty of people in Israel who do just that. But where that criticism moves over into a questioning of the legitimacy of the state of Israel, that becomes deeply problematic and is a, and is a form of anti-Semitism that was defined by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism, which Australia signs up to and supports. So that's the line, that's the dividing line, where your criticism of what the government is doing or what, of, what, of what the state of Israel is doing becomes a questioning of the legitimacy of the state of Israel and the legitimacy of its right to exist. Well, that really does present, and uh, thankfully, uh, as you've just explained that, a, a very good way of being able to do a little bit of a self-test here because there's a line to cross there. And if you are a critic of what happens in government in Israel, uh, the fine line is when that uh, overflows uh, to your own uh, idea that there may be a lack of legitimacy for the uh, state of Israel or for the Jewish people. So if you're doing a bit of a self-test here, Peter, uh, about how you think about the Jewish people, and I guess you've got to be able to say, what is it that influences my thinking about how I think about the Jewish people? Is that a fair way of uh, doing a little bit of a self-test to be able to uh, uh, to understand uh, where you might sit, uh, you know, in this, if you're talking about a bit of a spectrum as to where you might sit there? Well, I don't really think that one's feelings about the Jewish people are a part of this, because in fact, and Jeremy Corbyn himself would say this, and he has, he has... Um, Jewish supporters who are rallying to his defense and saying, no, no, you know, Corbyn is not what Corbyn is not anti-Semitic. So it's not so much about what one thinks about Jewish people. It's what one thinks about the state, the existence of the state of Israel. I think the line is crossed when you condemn Israel, not for what it does, but for what it is. So you can criticize, we can, you know, we can criticize Australian government policy, for example. We can criticize Australia for what it does, but you wouldn't necessarily criticize Australia for what it, it is. I mean, I know there's a bit of a debate going on in this country about that uh, in a very different respect. But I think that, um, that the, um, the, uh, the, the fact is that when you make a distinction between what it does and what it is, that's the critical point. And, and there are Jews and non-Jews on both sides of this debate, which is what makes it a very complicated debate um, and, and, and a subtle one, and why it does provoke, and I have found this, it does provoke quite strong criticism from people who oppose my point of view. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
Talking about anti-Semitism this hour, Peter Curdy is our guest. He's written a paper called Toxic Mutation of an Ancient Hatred, Left-Wing Anti-Semitism. We've got an online poll going at the moment asking, do you think anti-Semitism is an issue in Australia? A little update, as uh, from what I can see, 70 votes have been made so far. And so from that sample, 65% say yes, Anti-Semitism is an issue in Australia. 32% are saying, no, it's not. Uh, We'll keep you up to date with that poll as we progress through the conversation and you can add your vote to that poll when you go online at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Peter Curdy, let's talk about Australia because while we are familiar with the way that anti-Semitism has happened historically around the world and we can point to those things, as you say, with the Jeremy Corbyn issue in the UK, uh, when you mention the squad in the US uh, let's draw some attention to what's going on in Australia and the sorts of evidence that you can identify that anti-semitism's on the rise here uh, what's the big thing in Australia well the first thing I'd, I'd like to say is that I think uh, it's to go in the other direction and emphasize how what a safe place Australia is actually for its Jewish citizens and uh, whereas in countries like the United Kingdom and in France uh, the Jewish citizens there are saying that they are becoming uneasy and uncomfortable about the safety um, uh, with which they can live in their countries. We don't hear that happening here. And in fact, Jewish people uh, take a very prominent and rich part in Australian life at, at all levels and in all ways and have done for a long time. That having been said, I don't think we can be complacent about anti-Semitism. And the, uh, the, the, the organization called the Executive Council of Australian Jewry publishes an annual report on anti-Semitism. It's a very exhaustive document that, that, that um, uh, details in, uh, so many instances uh, that are either reported through the police or in media. And in their 2018 report, which is the most uh, recent report I've uh, been able to read, the, um, the number of incidents, of anti-Semitic incidents, have gone up by nearly 60% over the previous 12-month period. Now, some of those are minor. They might happen in the school yard. I was talking to, uh, to a Jewish leader just a couple of weeks ago, and he'd had three instances, two in a schoolyard uh, that had been reported to him, two in a schoolyard and one in an office. Now, you'd, you'd think that in a schoolyard it could just be the ignorance of kids hurling epithets around at one another. Um, I don't know what happened in, in the office. But I think the, the Jewish community is very keen to address these issues and to help with education and to help people to understand what anti-Semitism is and what it means to, uh, what it means to express this ancient hatred of, of, of Jews and Jewish, uh, and, and Jewish things. The, but it is growing in in uh, in australia we're getting it's becoming more frequent um the form of left-wing anti-semitism that we've been talking about is becoming more prominent here we're seeing it uh, certainly with the australian greens um, who, that i take a very uh, a very pro-palestinian attitude that is almost in, invariably anti-israel and we see this affecting parts of the labor party as well there's also the problem of Islamic uh, anti-Semitism, which, which affects this because some of the um, seats, for example, in Western Sydney, which are Labour-held seats, have populations of large numbers of conservative Muslim people who are antagonistic towards Israel. And I think that's affecting the politics of the Labour Party in those sorts of seats. 
So we're not seeing anything as, as, as dangerous or as hostile um, or as threatening as we're seeing in, in the United Kingdom. But it, we can't afford to be complacent here and to recognize that, in fact, if we don't, if we're not vigilant about um, anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic incidences now, uh, we might find that they escalate until it really does become a social problem. Peter, you're recognising what's happening with a growth of anti-Semitism in Australia and seeing there actually is opportunity now before things uh, seem to, you know, to spiral out of control for uh, left-wing groups. And uh, as you've named the Labor Party, as you've named the Australian Greens, and of course there are other left-wing groups in Australia and there'd be, uh, you know, independent senators who are uh, leaning to the left in an anti-Semitic way perhaps in here as well but you're seeing this as an opportunity before things get out of control for uh, big parties like the ALP and influential parties like the Greens uh, to just check where their attitude is so that it isn't anti-Semitic uh, what are your thoughts here for uh, for the possibilities? Well I think it, you're right it's, I, and I, uh, it, it is very important to, to be alert uh, and to be vigilant to check one's own views and to become better informed about the situation. One of the problems is that, um, and it is extremely complicated, because the history of Israel, the history of the Middle East, is complicated um, just over the course of the last century. And groups like, uh, that, are ad- that advocate for the Palestinian cause present their perspective on, on the situation in Israel and the relationship between Israel and the Palestinians. Uh, people who are pro-Israel have an, another way of interpreting some of that information. They agree about certain things in common. They disagree about other things in common. I think it's very important to be, to, to be as well-informed as one can be um, and to, to learn what both sides of the argument are so that if one gets caught up in these sorts of debates because of a concern about perceived injustices, experienced by the Palestinian people. I think it's very important to understand the history of the conflict, the history of the antagonism, and to get a balanced view from both sides, and not just to accept the narrative put out by one, by one side or the other. As we were saying earlier, when you're trying to make a self-assessment of where you might sit on a spectrum here and, uh, you know, uh, humble enough to say, well, I've been leaning towards an anti-Semitism, the idea of your attitude to the Palestinians, uh, this might be a clue to how you're actually influenced on these thoughts. As you say, when you look at the whole conflict that's going on, you might choose to be pro-Palestinian, but uh, it is wise then to look at the history because uh, some of these things can be quite deceptive as well. That's right. I was last in Israel a year, a little over a year ago, and you know the situation really is tragic. There are divided communities. It's becoming intractable. Um, Resentments and hatreds are becoming more and more deeply embedded in certain parts of the populations of the Palestinian area and in Israel. And one does wonder, where is is the future in all this? Where, where, Where is it going to end up? Um, but I think it's important, whilst recognizing the tragic circumstances in which the Palestinians find themselves, a lot of that is due to, to, to a failure of leadership on both sides, on both the Palestinian side and the Israeli side. Um, and I think it's easy to present one side entirely as the oppressed victim and, one, and the other side entirely as the oppressive tyrant. 
I don't think either of those things are true. There have been many missed opportunities in, in dialogue, and I think that there have been repeated points within the last 20 or 30 years when the Palestinian leadership has walked away from deals that could have been done with, uh, with the government of Israel that would have brought peace and, and prosperity to, to their people. They didn't do that, and I feel it's the ordinary Palestinian people who really suffer because of that. It's, it's a deeply complex and tragic situation. As I say, I find myself wondering, well, what's the answer? How can this be resolved? But I do think it's important not to, uh, as I said a moment ago, not simply to, be, to, be, uh, to, be, to absorb one side of the story to the exclusion of the other side of the story. I think it's very important to listen to what other people say. And I've had to do this myself since the report came out. I've had some fairly stern criticism from people who um, are very pro-Palestinian and, would, and were quite angry, in fact, that they felt I was saying that their criticism veered into anti-Semitism. So I think it's important to listen to what they say, to understand their, their point of view, and to acknowledge the fact of human suffering where there is human suffering. But at the same time, I think it's important, as I said, to, be, to take a balanced view and to try to decide where responsibility might lie and what an outcome, what a good outcome might look like. But when we talk about evidence emerging, Peter, uh, you're making some reference to some pretty ugly anti-Semitic incidents uh, that were clearly reported in the lead-up to the federal election earlier this year. Uh, what are the ones you're making reference to? That's right, uh, Neil. It was in the federal election campaign earlier in the year when the campaign core flutes of three Jewish candidates, Julian Lisa, Jason Falinski and Josh Frydenberg, um, all of whom, of course, are sitting Liberal MPs, were defaced. And they were defaced with dollar signs, with uh, devil's horns and Hitler moustaches, you know, the familiar anti-Semitic tropes that are used to, um, to, to, to denigrate uh, Jewish people. And um, that, I think it was quite exceptional to have that kind of um, anti-Semitic outbreak in the course of a federal election campaign and to have the daubing of core flutes. Um, and Julian Lisa, in fact, subsequently said it was the dirtiest and nastiest election campaign that he could remember. Uh, so I think we're seeing something, um, we've seen a change in the landscape, as it were, this year, and one can only hope that that was an exception and it doesn't become the norm. Uh, let me just give an update. Uh, we've had 96 people have voted, and uh, maybe that's not in the thousands yet, and uh, maybe you haven't added your vote. But so far as the percentages go, the question, do you think anti-Semitism is an issue in Australia? Uh, 72% uh, are saying yes today. 28% say no. Uh, interestingly here, Peter Curdy, uh, we're talking primarily to a Christian uh, people who are listening to our conversation today. I wonder what the difference you think percentages might be uh, perhaps in mainstream media where there's not a reference to the nation of Israel that we might have on Christian media. Any thoughts on uh, on the fact that we've got 72 say yes, uh, 28% no, but, uh, but how that might vary uh, depending on where the poll would be taken? That's very difficult to say, um, Neil, and of course those listeners who are responding may, may or may not be Christians themselves. They m may simply be uh, interested listeners who, who appreciate the kind of coverage that you, you give to an issue. But I think what is important to note is that, uh, that, uh, that 
anti-Semitism has a long, long history, and it also has deep roots in Christianity itself. It's important to be be clear that that, uh, anti-Semitism predates the Christian era, and there are instances of anti-Semitism in in, uh, ancient texts going back uh, to to, uh, long before the, the birth of Jesus. But Christianity as has a lot to account for, a lot to answer for in terms of attitudes to Jewish people because of the way in which I think it normalized the, uh, the, the tensions between Christians and Jews, that Christians were seen to be those who had been rejected by, by the Jewish people, and that rejection by the Jewish people was something that became deeply woven into Christian theology. A lot of work has been done to correct that and, and Christian leaders around the world, uh, the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury, other significant leaders over many years have worked very hard to correct that injustice and to build strong relations with with, uh, with Jewish with their Jewish neighbours. But I think Christianity, as Christians, we have to be aware that um, that there are times when anti-Jewish. Uh, anti, an anti-Jewish tone can sweep, can, can uh, seep into um, our readings of the scriptures, for example, and particularly around Easter, when we think about what happened to Jesus and uh, in the events leading to his death. It's easy for us to start to think that, yes, the Jews were the people who were responsible for the death of Jesus, and that therefore this is the burden that they carry. It's, that's a heinous wrong, and it's, it really is a grotesque form of anti-Semitism to say that, but it's, we need to recognize that in some ways that's been part of the Christian water that we've been drinking for a long, long time. And you bring that even closer to home in your paper, uh, even calling out the National Council of Churches in Australia, because uh, while perhaps uh, on the face of it, no one would have said, I'm being anti-Semitic, but uh, the way they worded uh, some issues around uh, their support for the occupation, uh, for the uh, criticism of Israel's occupation of Palestine, uh, there are issues there that uh, you're calling out the National Council of churches. That's right. This is the very controversial boycott, divestment and sanctions campaign uh, that was launched a number of years ago. It was, uh, it was started as a way of uh, bringing pressure on Israel to bear. It has some objectives. The key objectives are to end Israel's occupation and colonization of Arab lands, as they describe it, um, equal rights for Arab Palestinian citizens inside Israel, and the right of return of Palestinian refugees. So they had this BDS uh, campaign, which began as an, as an, an initiative of uh, Palestinian lobby groups some years ago, has been adopted by many Christian groups. And you're right, the National Council of Australia signed up to, to support the BDS, all in the name of justice, all in the name of justice for the Palestinian people, without perhaps being aware that by subscribing to the objectives of the BDS campaign, they were really calling into a question not only just the, the not only the legitimacy of the existence of the state of Israel, but the likelihood that the state of Israel could continue to exist. And that's why the BDS has been so controversial because people who support the BDS, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions program, would say that they are not. Um, anti-Jewish. They would say they're not anti-Semitic, but what they want is justice for the Palestinian people. But when this campaign for justice becomes, um, whether consciously or not, a call for 
uh, as we said earlier, a, a call that calls into question the legitimacy of the state of Israel and even its right to exist, that becomes anti-Semitic. Christian churches need to be very careful, I think, about how they, um, how they want to offer support to the Palestinian people. I think the BDS campaign is not the way to go. And the use of language important here. And I'll, I'll ask you some more about how you frame language when talking about issues in the state of Israel in just a few moments. But let's take a call, New Way, from Adelaide in South Australia on the line. Hello, New Way. Welcome. Uh, hello, Neil. This is New from Adelaide. Okay, I'm one of your supporters and I love the um, update every Tuesday from Israel. Right. Yes. Anyway, um, what are your thoughts I, for our conversation today? Yep, I follow your conversation, and I want to tell you that I reached out to a group of Jewish people working at Light, and they do experience uh, a lot of abuse. Um, I, yeah. And what sort of abuse did they identify? Well, they, anyway? they are salespeople, right? And um, people will come up to them and say, yes, so I would like that, this, and where they come from, the product. As soon as they say Israel, they get a mouthful of views, <laughs> and they said, is this good? We know the product from Israel is good, but we won't buy it. And they walked away. Okay. And um, in the mall, in the city, there's a group every Friday night, without fault, they stand there um vocally, um, you know, proclaiming against Israel. I haven't listened to them, but the staff, the people I'm dealing with, reported to me. Okay, so uh, so what you're saying, UA, is that in Adelaide, even on a Friday night, there'll be groups vocally, uh, almost like evangelists on the street, uh, speaking against uh, Israel, and uh, I guess what you're saying is they're they're uh, they're projecting a level of hatred. Uh, let's get a thought or two from Peter. Uh, Peter, what are your thoughts, uh, Peter Curdy, for uh, New Way and the sorts of things she's describing on the streets of Adelaide? Well, thanks, New Way. I think it's very helpful to hear the sorts of things that are going on in Adelaide. These are just the sorts of um, of, of instances that the the Executive Council of Australian Jury is so meticulous about cataloging um, because it can seem that it's just you know it's just an exchange between people on the streets but in fact what it there there is a momentum that builds and it, it becomes very intimidating and it comes back to this point about singling out the state of Israel um, I don't want to embroil Neil I don't want to embroil you in in, in the controversy surrounding our relationship with China but let's just take China as an example we know we have concerns. There are people in this country with concerns about human rights uh, in China. We have all sorts of concerns about, uh, about the, the justice system in China. But we still trade with China. There's no question that we would seek to boycott China. We'd seek to work through diplomatic channels and political channels to make sure the relationship is, is strong and healthy and we do what we can. But we don't call for a boycott of Chinese products. Why do we call for a boycott of Israeli products? That's, the, again, an instance of the line being crossed that Israel is criticized not for what it does, but for what it is. And this is the form of anti-Semitism that we need to call out. I think, Niue, it's, Niue, it's really great that you've raised that point on the program today. I think we all need to be very alert to it and vigilant about it uh, in, in the towns and cities where we live. 
at UA in Adelaide. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. You can also join in and uh, identify your thoughts at an online poll that we have running on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash vision radio, asking the question, do you think anti-Semitism is an issue in Australia? Uh, so uh, you can call us on 1-800-316-316 or you can uh, cast your vote on that poll and we'll uh, give an update at the end of our conversation today. I wanted to ask you, Peter, about the way that language is dressed up and you identified this a little earlier. You said that sometimes it's dressed up in a language of human rights. And what sounds right actually has a sinister, uh, challenging difference to what we might think when we're, talk- when we're talking about a nation. So uh, how do you reflect on the idea of the use of language here? I think that's a really important point because often the the, the language of of what I'm calling left wing anti semitism is indeed cast in moral terms. It's not about uh, the hatred of Jews. It's not about it doesn't use any of those traditional tropes that we associate with the far right, for example. Uh, it's language that is couched in moral terms, using ideas of equality and justice and, and peace. People on the left who make these sorts of criticisms of Israel that I believe cross the line, and I just want to emphasize that criticizing Israel is not anti-Semitic, but criticizing it to the point where you call into question its legitimacy is anti-Semitic. Now, people who who I think are guilty of doing this deny vigorously that they're anti-Semitic, and they protest that their concern is only with achieving justice for the Palestinians, whom they consider to be victims of aggression. Um, as I say, while criticism of the state of Israel is legitimate, the truth is that criticism that singles out Israel or applies standards of behavior to Israel not expected of other democratic nations does amount to anti-Semitism. So we've got to be careful and, and just see what is being said with the words. You know, we're all committed. To, who is not in favor of equality and justice and fairness and peace? Those are important Christian principles that we would stand by. But how are they being applied? How is this language being used? So we have to be particularly vigilant about that. But I think it's a very important point because the use of moral, the, the use of, of, of moral language to make these political points um, can blind us to what is actually being said. As Christians, Peter, we are inseparably united with the Jewish people because, uh, obviously, when we talk about our heritage, we talk about a Judeo-Christian heritage, the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament. So Christians, uh, we find ourselves needing to uh, to get some context here because, as you identified a little earlier, uh, there's been all sorts of unease with the way that Christians have treated Jews down through the centuries and uh, there are some things that we humbly have to uh, to identify and say uh, in this day and age 21st century uh, that uh, that we've turned around we've been repentant of those sorts of ideas uh, as a Christian through that time but there's an alignment here that happens Christianity is so aligned with the Jews that when there is a growing hatred of Jews what we're also likely to see is a growing hatred of Christians. Uh, what are your thoughts for the for the connectedness that we have as a Christian people to the Jewish people? But uh, the fact that uh, that we, when one suffers, the other suffers perhaps as as much. 
I think that's a very important point. I agree with you completely. We are people of the book, and we are bound uh, to the Jewish people in virtue of the fact that their scriptures are form part of our scriptures. Um, I think that the what what happens to our Jewish brothers and sisters is something that also happens to us and affects us. It, there is a growing problem of Christian persecution, that is to say persecution of Christians uh, around the world, and this is being catalogued in, in, in increasing and alarming terms, in fact, that um, Christians are being persecuted for their faith. I mean, we saw in Sri Lanka earlier this year the terrible devastation that was wrought when people were murdered uh, in the course of an act of worship. That's just one terrible example, but it's happening more and more. And I think uh, as people of faith, um, particularly people of the book, as I'd like to call them, uh, we need to remember that we need to stand with our brothers and sisters and to be and to speak out against ill treatment that is meted out to any part of of, of the human community. One of the ways that I think this has been really important, and I've had ex- some experience of this in my, myself, is with the work done by local groups of councils and Christians and Jews, which bring people together for discussion, for dialogue. Often those groups are very small, but it's a very important way of, uh, for Christians to understand about Judaism, and I think also for Jews to understand about Christianity. Misconceptions abound on both sides. Um, and one of the things I think we have to do as Christians is seek to be well informed about the beliefs of our Jewish brothers and sisters and to understand how it is that Judaism informed Christianity. Jesus was a Jew, of course, and and was steeped in, in the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law and the prophets. We need to understand that, I think, and I think that's it's a very important way of building strong relationships between faith communities. But I think we have to, we live in a world when people, religious people of all faiths, of any faith, um, are vulnerable to criticism and attack, and we need to be alert to that, I think. Peter, in the lead-up to the last election, uh, I had at least one or perhaps two conversations uh, around the idea that even Jewish people in Australia were fearful that the Labor Party would come to power and it looked like that was going to happen and uh, I was getting reports uh, of people who had even made plans to leave Australia if Labor came to power. Now let's come back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier because we're talking about left-wing anti-Semitism here and we did identify that the Labor Party and the Greens in particular uh, may be uh, susceptible to taking a position or at least wording their policy positions so that it appears to be anti-Semitic and perhaps that's coming from deeper underlying roots uh, but it does actually have uh, real consequences for the fearfulness of a people. Uh, yes. What are your thoughts, uh, you know, so far as coming back to the opportunity here, the opportunity for parties to assess their policies and make adjustments so that they are not coming across to be anti-Semitic? Well, I think it's extremely important uh, that they make those adjustments and that they, uh, be, they, any political party needs to be uh, committed to serving 
the good of all Australians. Um, I think there is unease in some parts of the Jewish community in this country, which is a small community. Numbers, numbers about 100,000. Uh, so it's a small community, but I think there is unease. I don't think it's as bad as the unease that many British Jews and French Jews do feel, who really are wondering whether they can, uh, whether they can continue to live safely in, in Britain and France. But what I don't think we can do, and we, we talked about this earlier in the program, is be complacent. I don't think we can think, well, that wouldn't happen here, that couldn't happen here, that's, that's just not Australia. Because if we, are, if, we, uh, if we are not vigilant, if we're not... If if we don't attend to these early warning signs, as it were, we can find that actually we do end up in a very bad situation where, where Jew, it's become it's widespread feeling for Jews to feel uneasy about walking the streets of the towns and cities of their own country. And that's something we really strenuously need to guard against. Well, Peter, we are running out of time now, and I do want to point people to the paper that you have written, and uh, also just to reflect on the uh, the uh, update on the tally, and that uh, vote that is happening on our online poll on our Facebook page will continue, and uh, thanks to those 115 people who've responded to that poll uh, over this past hour, uh, the numbers as they fall, 70% say yes to the question, and 30% say no and that poll will continue and you'll be able to uh, see how others who are listeners to vision will apply themselves to that question do you think anti-semitism is an issue in australia uh, with your paper peter curdy toxic mutation of an ancient hatred left-wing anti-semitism where can people get a hold of a copy of that paper so they can read the sorts of things that you're saying a little more deeply uh, thanks uh, Neil, it's available at our website, which is the Centre for Independent Studies, and the address is cis.org.au. And if you go to uh, to that site, cis.org.au, uh, you'll be able to track down my paper quite quickly, and which will be on. I think it's on the front page still of the, of the website, and you can download a PDF there, and it'd be great. Uh, if if your listeners can do that. Okay, it's CIS, that stands for the Centre for Independent Studies, cis.org.au. Peter Curti, a Senior cool. Research Fellow with the Centre for Independent Studies. Peter, always appreciate your clarity, appreciate your insight and the depth to which you take us on some of these issues that you're exploring. Appreciate you being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. My great pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.